It's Wednesday, May 18th, 2022, and it is episode 35 of the Fantastic Comic Man Podcast. I'm R.T. Fleming, and today I've invited some past guests to talk about Neil Adams. Okay, frankly, I meant to get this out already. But over the past week or so, I did a few episodes promoting Kickstarters and New Indie Comics. So please check out those episodes, look in the show notes. Also, help spread the word about this podcast. The more who listen, the more they'll check out a new indie launch or help support a fantastic Kickstarter. Now, I've teamed up with a nice selection here. First, we've Ross Aiken of the Stop Let's Team Up podcast, Adam Alenta of the indie comic Punk Taco, and Eric Isaacson of the Long Box Review podcast. Making the first appearance on the podcast is Alan Stewart of Attack of the 50-Year-Old Comic Books blog. He'll be a regular guest on the podcast starting tomorrow, May 19, 2022, as we tackle comics from 1972. Alan is quite the scholar and hope you turn tomorrow for that first installment. Look at the show note for today's links of the guests. I would love to hear from you. The good and the not so good about the podcast. Feel free to DM me on Twitter, Instagram, or a fantastic comic fan, all one word at gmail.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, I'd like to welcome back Alan Stewart, who does a blog of Attack of the 50-Year-Old Comic Books. You can find the link for that in the um, show notes. Um, Alan graciously... um, is coming on. He's actually going to do a regular feature um, coming up in the next few weeks, but he decided to come on with me today to talk about Neil Adams for just a few minutes. So, Alan, um, you're a little bit older than me, not by much. Um, okay. When did you first um, like get into Neil Adams? When did you first like pop up on your radar? I believe that the first encounter I had with Neil Adams' art was in September 1967. Uh, It would have been Detective Comics 369. Boy, you got Um, that down to a science. (laughs) I I made notes. (laughs) I can't even make, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast half the time. I don't, I don't remember. I have to look it up. (laughs) Anyways, go back. I, I have tools. I have tools, but, um, so I, that's, but yes, based on a, his publishing credits, based on what I was buying and reading, you know, I might've seen like a cover for Jerry Lewis on the spinner rack at the Totesum store, you know, before that. But, mm-hmm. um, but this fir- first time that I would have seen his work um, in, on the interior, in the interior of a comic um, would have been that issue. Um, that came out the same day, interestingly enough. And again, I don't remember this um, as his first dead man story in Strange Adventures, uh, which I did not buy. Um, but I did buy Detective Comics 369 because it had a great uh, Gil Kane cover with Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. Uh, early appearance of Batgirl. Um, and Neil Adams didn't draw that story. He drew the elongated man back up. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, and that's a, a series that I think at that point I'd only ever seen drawn by Carmine Infantino, who created the character. And, you know, Neil Adams, that was very different. Um, He penciled and drew it. Um, This, along with Dead Man, were like the first things he did in the superhero genre. He had been working on war comics and, like I said, 
funny, funny stuff. Jerry Lewis. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that um, back in the day, I hate using that expression, but um, <laughs> once I try to use once upon, oh. um, once upon, um, DC really did um, a Bob Hope, Jerry Lewis yes. um, comic book. And unfortunately, right. um, the estates, at least with Jerry Lewis, won't let them reprint the comic sure. books, which right. would be great for just historical purposes. Did you write? Um, Neil Adams did that um, for a while and people like, oh, I thought he just did Batman. No, he did a whole bunch sure. of stuff. He even did some war. His first one, I think, yes. was in Star Spangled War Stories. Um, right. And um, yeah, so go on with your, what you're saying about him. Sure. Um, and then I don't really, I'm not really sure that it made a tremendous impression on me that first time, except of course that it was different. Um, but the next time that I saw it would have been uh, a few months later, um, January 1968, um, the third issue of The Spectre. Um, he had drawn the second issue of The Spectre, which I don't think I ever saw. You know, distribution, news jam distribution was, was spotty back in, back in the day. Um, yes. and, and, I, and I do recall that when I first saw his work on The Spectre, I wasn't sure I liked it. Um, I was um, I was really fond of Murphy Anderson's work on that feature. Okay. Uh, and Neil Adams was just different. Um, and, and looking back at my initial reaction to Adams, in, in some ways, it's sort of like my initial reaction to Jack Kirby, um, who's like on a completely on the other end of the spectrum stylistically. Um, Adams being more photorealistic, more representational, and Kirby being more exaggerated, expressionistic. Uh, but they were both sort of like outliers um, from what I was used to in terms of sort of us kind of like crisp, clean, um, uh, I hate to say the simple, but somewhat more simple and straightforward comic book art. Yes. Uh, that, was, that was what I was seeing at the time. So uh, Adams was somebody who had to grow on me. Um, and it probably wasn't, well, I would say that by that summer, and his first issue of Brave and Bold, um, which- Do you remember, was, do you remember which one that was? That was, I believe, 79. Yeah, uh, Brave and the Bold 79, which came out in June, 1968. I'm gonna stump um, you one of these times. I'm gonna stump you. <laughs> I don't know how or when, but I'm going to. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we can take a break so I can look it up. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, yes, this was, uh, this team to Batman and Dead Man. Um, it was uh, Neil Adams' first issue of Brave and Bold. It wasn't the first time he'd drawn Batman. He had drawn him before on several covers. He had drawn him uh, in a couple of World's Finest stories teamed with Superman. Um, but this was the first one in which he actually started to sort of impose his vision of the character, which was a return to a darker, uh, more mysterious, more gothic uh, a guy who basically you only saw at night. Um, and you know, one thing, one thing that he said in interviews was that, you know, I didn't change Bob Haney's scripts, Bob Haney being the writer of Brave and the Bowl for like a thousand years. Yes. But I just basically, I would, you know, but I would set, he would have a scene set in the daytime, I'd set it at night. And then of course he started to make the ears a little longer on the cowl and the cape and the cape a bit longer and uh, do interesting things with the cape. And um it's really, I, I think, is, is one of the most pivotal issues um, really in the history of the Batman character. Sort of it's the kind of line of demarcation between the camp era, um, 
based on the television show, right. which, which was just ending then um, or had, had ended recently. Um, and then the sort of the, the Dark Knight <laughs> era, uh, well before Frank Miller, the Dark Knight era that, that pretty much just sort of starts with Adams and kind of goes on with obviously with a lot of development. Which and, actually um, his style still um, ripples through the day because sure. you, you can still see the Neil Adams style, not exactly, but you can you can connect the dot stylistically and see, oh yeah, right. we can go back to you know that type of right. um, character. I yeah. don't think there's any other character um, that associated with um, um, an artist, you know, Neil Adams, right. Batman. I mean, right. Everything else, Spider-Man, Iron Man, it, there's no set, oh, we got to do that. I think, I mean, I'm sorry, I think Batman's the only one that really has that distinct style um, mm -hmm. that goes to Neil Adams. Did you ever get into Neil Adams' um, work with uh, the covers like Action Comics and Superman? I I didn't like collect the books for the covers. Um, I'm, I've always been the sort of reader who, you know, a cover will grab my attention. I'll pick it up, you know, off the rack and look at it. But I, I don't think I've ever bought a book just for the cover. So, so yeah. Um, and yeah, he did. The thing is, he did, like, I want to say the majority of DC covers uh, month in, month out. Um, either penciling, inking, uh, laying out, uh, some combination of all of those for like maybe three years. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't have those dates just right at the top of my head. But it's... Um, but yeah, I mean, he, it's just, he pretty much, you know, the, you know, the joke is, is that, you know, you would pick it up for the Neil Adams cover and you'd open it up and it would go, oh, well, stuff in the side isn't as good. And so, right. Sometimes that was true. Sometimes that was true. But, um, but he certainly uh, helped redefine just the, the look of their line or what you expected from a DC comic. You know, um, he, he, all actually, the characters. he actually um, didn't get a start in comics. He actually was writing, I'm sorry, he was actually drawing newspaper strips yeah. Um, before, which is kind of interesting because a lot of care, a lot of artists go from comic books, then newspaper strips. Right. Right. And he went backwards from yeah. newspaper strips to comic right. books. And Ben um, Casey. Yes. Yes. Ben Casey. Exactly. Um, and he was kind of an older guy when he actually yeah. started doing the, 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 the DC stuff, um, even, even the Marvel stuff. Right. But, um, you know, there was that old chestnut of, well, comic books are on their last leg, you know, they're sure. going to be. I mean, you, <laughs> right. I mean, there's not a time. Heard it several times. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> over um, the decades before we wrap this little section up sure. on Neil Adams, is there anything else you'd like to add about Neil? Um, just as I said, it, it, he took some getting used to at the very beginning, but like by June, 1968, I was a fan. And then basically from that point, um, the only regret that I have in terms of when I look at, I was just kind of going through some of my, you know, favorite, um, Neil Adams comics over the, the next several years is that, um, you know, why didn't I buy everything he did? <laughs> you know, right. I, I would, I would, I was still being, I mean, I was a fan, but I was still being selective. You know, I was like, so, it, but there was always this idea that, you know, well, there's going to be more, you know, you know, yes. you don't particularly pick up this, this particular issue of, um, I don't know, our army at war or whatever else that has, has a Neil Adams story in it, but, but yes. it's like, he's going to be with us for a long, long time. And he was with us, you know, in, in, in a sense, but he really, after 
1972, 1973, I mean, he really ramped down in terms of his how productive he was in the comic book field. He was, he had his continuity studio associates, um, that his commercial art firm um, that took up a lot of his time and he got much more selective about his comic book projects. Yeah, I I totally missed the boat on Neil Adams. He wasn't doing comic books when I started collecting comics. It was only until I got older. And right. one, of the, one of the things on the podcast that I, that, I, that I try to do is to try to get more people into, you know, creators and check, even especially the sure. ones that are older now, check their stuff out, look and see what they got, you know, look at and appreciate them when they're still around instead of, you know, right. after they're gone. Right. Um, all right, Alan, thank you very much for talking with me to Neil Adams. You're welcome. Um, he does, again, Attack of the 50-Year-Old Comic Book. The link will be in the show notes, and we'll see you again, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Eric back from the Longbox Review. Today, we're going to spend a couple minutes um, talking about Neil Adams. I'm bringing some of my collaborators together to do a Neil Adams podcast. Um, Adam, I actually missed Neil Adams when I got into comic books. He wasn't really publishing that much. So it was 1977 when I got into it, and he was not doing too much. <clears throat> um, he came into my radar when he was started Continuity Comics in the, in the um, 80s. Mm. But I wish, you know, back then, like even when I was a teenager, I could appreciate Neil Adams more than, you know, waiting until I'm in my 30s. But <clears throat> what, do you say, what do you say about Neil Adams? Well, Neil Adams is uh, uh, an, an artist for me when I got into comics in uh, late 1978. So shortly after that, and I, I was trying to think about this, about when I was encountering and recognizing his work, because it's so distinctive. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it, it, to me, it was, it was uh, I think I started recognizing his work, even though I may not have known it was his before I started recognizing and becoming a, a great fan of George Perez's art. And, and so uh, like early on in my, in my comic book uh, reading experiences, I came across a lot of back issues um, where uh, Neil Adams drew the covers or he drew uh, um, like in the, in the DC digests, he, he, had, he had drawn stories that were selected to be in those digests. Yeah, people, uh, and, new, new readers don't know what these digests were. They were smaller right. than an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, folded in half. They were small with really small print. And DC sold a lot of them. They did really well for years. But it's like, that's probably why I'm wearing glasses today, because I used to buy all the <laughs> digests at the time. Yeah, I, I tried reading one of those recently. Uh, and How'd that was, go for you? It was not a very good experience, even with my glasses on. So, <laughs> um. I, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Neil Adams also was really good with um, doing creator rights, creator rights. That's right. Um, I was listening to another podcast um, and they were talking about how he would build a dealer's, I'm sorry, artist tables and tell the artist, hey, you need to be charging more for this. You need to be charging more for that. Mm -hmm. Not because he was trying to rip off fans, but to show the value of the artist's work yeah you know he was very instrumental i believe in like making sure that jack kirby got all of his artwork back mm-hmm. because there was a time which is unfath- unfathomable now where creators not only didn't get credit for their work because it was unsigned 
But a lot of times they didn't even get the art, art returned at all. They were burned or just thrown out or given away. Which yeah, is given away. Yeah. Crazy. Um, there was a side story with um, Steve Ditko that I was also heard that when this was all going on, Steve Ditko wasn't going to sign the Marvel release to get his artwork back unless him and uh, Jack Kirby got the same deal. Mm. If Jack Kirby was getting a better deal than Steve Ditko was, Steve Ditko wasn't going to sign it at the time. But it's like, <laughs> Uh, I, didn't, yes. I didn't realize there was a competition between those two. I didn't think so either. Um, but Ditko was, you know, a different but very That's talented very true. Um, person. <laughs> you know, um, I used to see Neil Adams on Instagram all the time. He was always doing um, live Instagram, promoting his art and selling his art. So when he died, it was really a shock because I'd just seen him, mm-hmm. you know, recently. And it was like, what? And I don't know about you, but when when the community was talking about Neil, it was like, did you hear about Neil? There's no real Adams in there. It was just Neil. Was like, did you hear about Uncle Neil? Right. Like a member of the family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and as we're doing this, we also lost another legend, which is George Perez. But that's that's for uh, another topic of another time. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Neil Adams did also. He didn't do a lot of writing, and I'm sorry, a lot of drawing from DC. He did a lot of covers, but for Marvel, he did a great run with Roy Thomas of the X Men before it got canceled i believe mm-hmm. he also drew the, he drew the um avengers for a few for a while um when he went to dc though uh he was like 30 years old which is a lot of, kind of old for a creator to be getting into you know the comic books because he did a lot of advertising i think the story was um comics was dying back then so he, you know, why get involved with comic books? Right. Because comic books are a dying medium, which you probably have heard your entire run of collecting. Yeah, pretty much comic- every every other year. <laughs> they're gonna stop. They're gonna stop doing comic books. They're just gonna quit doing comic books. And I keep trying to put it in perspective. And I think I told you this before that whether Marvel or DC, the two publishers, make a profit or make a loss. It really doesn't matter because in the greater scheme of their corporate structure, they're rounding errors anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're talking, Dr. Strange made, you know, uh, gosh, almost 200 million in the United States. You know, what Marvel does as far as sales, that's just a rounding figure. They don't, you know, Mar- Mar- you know, Disney don't care about that as long as they're publishing stuff and making a little bit of, nobody cares about that. Even same yeah. thing with DC. Mm-hmm. They're more concerned about the IPs. Um, but yeah, uh, if a new fan um, has not really done anything with Neil Adams, what would you suggest for them to actually look at? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I know it's an endless. You, yeah. You threw me for a loop on that one. I, I guess it depends on, you know, what, what property, what characters that you, you would like. Cause I, cause you know, he touched on quite a few of them over the years. Green arrow. Yeah. The green line and green arrow. Um, People uh, he, know him for Batman. That's right. But he did do other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did I, the covers for Superman too for a while there. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, you know, I like I was saying before when when I first encountered him, uh, it was his his uh, his pencils on Teen Titans Volume One. He did a three issue arc uh, in in Teen Titans, and that is what really drew me into his work. Yeah, I didn't and, even realize that. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm uh, to check that out. It featured the character of Jericho, which I believe what the intention there, and I forget who wrote the stories for that at the moment, but I believe it was the intention of the creators of those issues for that character Jericho to be the first black superhero, 
at that time, or or maybe the first black superhero in uh, DC. DC Comics. Um, uh, and then you know it was just it was just a, this really weird uh, Dimension X story for, uh, that the Teen Titans had to deal with. But that's what that's what really drew me into the Teen Titans. I was I was already sort of a fan, but then I read that that three issue arc. And I just fell in love with the characters. And it was really all because of Neil Adams. All right. Okay. We're going to end that then. Um, I appreciate you, Eric, for coming by, just talking about Neil Adams for a few minutes. Hope you come back to the podcast again. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. This computer. Hey, I'd like to uh, welcome here Adam Valenta. Um, we are going to talk about Neil Adams. Um, for a few minutes, I'm putting together our tribute episode, and Adam graciously decided to give me a few minutes of his time. Adam is um, also involved in a Kickstarter campaign called Punk Taco. That'll also be a link after this podcast. If you look um, on another podcast, you'll see the interview I did with him recently. Um, I don't know about you, Adam, but when Neil Adams' death came across, it was like, did you hear about Neil? It was like he was a member of the family, your uncle or somebody. Yeah. 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 It definitely like I I don't get all too emotional when it comes to celebrity deaths. I mean, it happens. We all we we all have our time. And I, of course, I don't have a connection with most people. But but Neil, I mean, his artwork, it was always around and he was always around. I've done hundreds of conventions and Neil was always there. And I always made it a point to stop by and say hello to him. Now, I I, he probably never he probably didn't remember me each time. But he was always gracious with his time and friendly to me. Um, I'd bring my son around and he would say hello to him and talk to him. He's a super nice man. And and his his legacy as far as comics go is, is undeniable. I mean, he, he was, you know, people will say he's a giant or a legend, and it's you can't say that enough. I mean, his artwork influenced everybody. Uh, and and it was amazing. So, you know, his passing was I I was I'm I'm still sad. Like well, it's you know, I think that I'll go to a convention and he won't be there anymore, or you know that we'll never see new artwork again. Like, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot, and he did a lot of live videos. Instagram yeah, they were live, great. And I would watch them, and I didn't watch them all the time. And he was always on them. Like, well, I'll catch him next time. So I heard about his death. I'm like, what? Huh? I mean, I just saw him recently actually on these Instagram live. Like things. the day, but I think he had one like the day before, a couple days before. Yeah, like. and it was like. You know, modern readers, you know, that just seen the Batman movie don't appreciate and understand his impact on comic books. I mean, every yeah. Batman that we have now can trace its roots to Neil Adams yeah. and his covers. Um, and, also, and, if we, and if we can't trace it to Neil Adams, it's probably not a very good Batman. No, you're, you're, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Because, um, uh, I had uh, Chuck Satterley who did another Kickstarter with uh, uh, Norm Grayful with artwork. And you can see how Norm Grayfog, who was a great 90s Batman artist, you can see where he was, you know, talking about Neil. And all these yeah. upcoming artists that we talk about now, like Frank Miller, he was inspired by Neil Adams. I mean, Neil yeah. Adams' fingerprints are all over the place, everywhere. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think my first Batman book, you know, again, I must have been six or seven, it, it, was, it was Jim Aparo. And Jim Aparo is a direct descendant of Neil Adams, for sure. Yes. I mean, like, so like you could tell that that was Neil's Batman. <laughs> so, so growing up with Jim Aparo, then that's when I would dig back and then I was introduced to Neil Adams. So, and then I also loved 
I forget how I got my hands on it, but you know, Neil Adams X-Men stuff to that, me was yes. like blew me away. Like that was like amazing. Yeah. And of course I got that in reprints at the time. And I was just like, who is this guy? And how is he doing this? Like, and Mike Thomas was writing the X-Men at the time. And right. it did, you know, it was right before they got canceled. And during yep. that phase of the X-Men, there were so many cool, amazing things going on in the X-Men. And people forget about that. He also was involved in doing a lot of cover work and stuff for action and Superman comics. Right. Well, he <laughs> did. He he went over all the Jack Kirby stuff for the most part, right? He was yep. the one, or Kurt Swan and Neil Adams, I think, were fixing up a lot of the Kirby's, the covers especially. Yep. Um, there's a <laughs> iconic, uh, I don't know if it's an action of Superman, where it shows Superman breaking out of kryptonite chains. That's right. That's a great really, cover. You know, that's, that's Neil Adams. And, uh, yep. A lot of your uh, poster stuff like that, a lot of it comes right straight from Neil Adams. Yeah, he really, you know, was, you know, if not the first, but I mean, the the realism that he put into it and, you know, he took it just from being kind of more cartoony to being more realistic, really. He was one of the first that definitely did that. Yeah. Um, I just, like I said, I just want to talk a few minutes about Neil Adams, trying to get as many people as I can. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up about Neil? No, I mean, you know, again, he was a legend. I think if, if for any person in the audience that hasn't, isn't familiar with his work, do yourself a favor and, and look up his work and read it. And, and I think you'll be blown away. Anyone else that already knows, Neil, I, I can't say anything <laughs> that's right. new that you don't know about. But, you know, um, he will definitely be missed, you know, as... as again, comic book royalty. Comic book royalty and all he did for creator rights. I mean, as an independent creator... Uh, okay. You know, that's huge. That, yeah, we, it, it, it gives yeah. me a sense of self-worth. Like, you know, I see a lot of creators selling their work for, for pennies. And Neil was always the guy like, no, like my work is worth this. If you can't afford it, sorry, but I'm not going to lower my, I'm not gonna lower my price. Exactly. He didn't charge you more. You need to be doing more. He, right. you know, he, was, he was instrumental. People don't value, value yourself and your time and the work yeah. and all the years you put into studying to be to be decent and good um and don't back down from that and that would that would that's a huge takeaway as an independent creator like so because people don't realize that back in the day <clears throat> artists did not get their comic book art back a lot of times right. you know and he was instrumental in making sure jack kirby got a lot of his artwork back and even some of the oh other i mean some people didn't even get credit for being working in comics i mean like <laughs> you know you're right if you go no colorists and inkers sometimes never even got their name no credits and you you look at some of these great um stuff on public um domain comic book and you're like ah great stuff no idea who did it who did, anyway yeah. adam thanks for talking with Neil. My pleasure. i'll have you back again again he's doing a kickstarter campaign right now for pump tackle there'll be a link at the bottom for the show notes thanks again yo my pleasure thanks for having me you go Hello, I'd like to welcome back Ross Aitken from the Stop Let's Team Up podcast. Today, we are going to talk about Neil Adams, what the comic industry is all talking about right now. Um, I'm putting together a little bit of tribute and appreciation of um, Neil Adams. It's funny, I don't know about you, Ross, but when it came across my feed and people were DMing me, hey, did you hear about Neil Adams, you know, passing away? It was kind of like a friend or somebody that you knew. It was like, you know, the neighbor down the street or your, or your great aunt, uncle, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend, uh, one of my best friends. He's not that big a comic fan, but he's a Neil fan because he liked this. He likes the hyper realistic art. Okay. 
And um, so in one year for Christmas, he gave me uh, the, the Neil Adams Muhammad Ali Superman action figure box set. Oh, I sold them years later because I needed the cash, but I still have the hardcover because that's I remember my brother handing me that treasury when I was a kid. See, I was shocked when I heard Neil Adams died because he used to go on even quite recently. He would go on to Instagram live and pitch his artwork. And so he'd be there. And a few times I'd go in and just join and say, you know, hi to me on my Instagram. Like, oh, Neil just said hi to me. So it was really a shock to find out that he had passed away. And I unfortunately did not collect comic books at the time when Neil, um, yeah, when Neil Adams was hot. By the time I got into the comic books, which is uh, around 1977, Neil wasn't really doing much anymore. Yeah. So you being a little bit older, not by much, how do you remember Neil from the beginning? I remember my brother handing me, and I don't know what I read first, okay? But it was either one of the Avengers in uh, the 90s, not the 1990s, but the issue 90s, like the Kree scroll War, it was one of those, or it was, there was this hardcover X-Men reprint, and it okay. was all the Roy, Neil, and uh, some Green Arrows. Um, but I, you know, I didn't start reading comics until like 72, 73, but my brother's 10 years older than me, so he had these, and he's a Neil fan, and he... You know, he was like Neil's when uh, in the 80s when Marvel was doing the or DC was doing those like cardstock covered reprints with like two issues of a comic in it. Yes. Dead Man. And I had never read his Dead Man. And this Dead Man is to me, I it's my favorite, Neil. I really, yeah, I do like the Dead Man too. I think I got more into the Dead Man than I did into his Batman stuff. Yeah, um, I remember. Oh, I that's it. I uh, Also, Hugh had that team up with the first Green Arrow Okay. The Brave and the Bold. That was one of the earlier comics I read. That's what I talked about on my show. Is I think that's kind of the iconic one. I think Neil came onto my radar when he started doing continuity comics in 84, which really didn't go very far and do very much. Yeah, I remember I was working in a comic shop when it came out. Everybody was hyper and went, uh, it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't much more. It didn't sell well at all. It didn't. That, but it was the birth of the, of the indie. You yeah, there were a lot of indies that came out. Pacific, Eclipse, uh, Continuity, um, uh, uh, Valiant a little later. You know, they all put their feet in. I was a big First Comics and Pacific Comics fan. I was I like, I like First Comics and Pacific Comics also. Yeah. Um, you know, Neil Adams actually had a career kind of when he did the Batman stuff back in the early 70s and the Green Arrow, Green Lantern stuff. He was right around 30-ish. yeah. You know, that's kind of late for, you know, a lot of creators, you know, because back then, I mean, you had Jim Shooter getting in at 14. Roy Thomas had to be around 20. Heck, Jerry Conway was 16 when he was writing comic books. Yeah. At the How time. long was he doing covers, though? Because his, part, his partner's studio partner was Dick Giordano, who was always a comics. Um, he and did, he would do the Bob Hope covers. A lot of the Bob Hope and Jerry Lewis covers. Are yes. He, yes, I remember that. He did something. I think his first DC was in like 1967. He wow, did, that late. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Uh, it was a Star Spangled War comic because I printed some in my. Oh, is it the one where the two soldiers are yelling at each other? Covered that. With yes. The, yeah, that I never seen that image. That that was a that was a pretty cool image. I like that. I and like that one a lot. He has uh, actually his very first um, uh, in the industry, which I also did some pages. Was in Creepy 14 from Warner. It was a vampire story from 1967. 
That was his first. Um, I didn't realize thing. it was that small a window. Yes, it was Curse of the but Vampire. But he's probably one of the most important artists of that generation. Yes. He changed Batman. I was trying to explain it to my wife. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. He changed comic books. Yeah, and, it, then he, and then he did the Army at War in 182, which is also in 67. You're right, because he went on to do such things as the adventures of Jerry Lewis. And I heard that the Jerry Lewis estate didn't want those comic books to be reprinted in any way for some reason. I think, man, those things should be, I mean, if they were bound together and sold as an omnibus or something, I bet those things would sell. Well, really just from well. the people who did it, yes. you know, you for people like uh, you forget what people don't realize that certain famous artists do had a more eclectic field. He's one of them. He did a lot of comedy comics. He did war comics. And then he kind of reinvented. He changed, you know, his his art. It's one of that, you know, that's that change in art. Him and John and Busima, it was changing. They were changing what comic art looked like. You know, people uh, remember. People remember him for his Batman stuff, but he was also instrumental in um, revamping Superman at the time too. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He did the covers and he would do, he did, didn't do that many interiors, but he no. did a lot of really iconic covers. I mean, covers that still stand up after all the time. Oh yeah. There are dorm rooms in colleges that have the Superman breaking chains. Chains of oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or my favorite, what was it? Was it, it was a panel and you would see it. You see it as a meme every once in a while, but where he eats the kryptonite. Yes. I remember when, that when one they too. got rid of when, um, who was writing it then? Was it, I don't know who was writing it, but they get, was it Carrie Bates got rid of the, yeah. I can't re, got rid of kryptonite. Can't really. Yeah. I can't remember at the time, yeah. but, um, current fans, you know, people who are just, you know, coming out of the box office seeing the Batman, you know, they really need to go backwards and look at some of the stuff like that Neil Adams drew because yeah. he inspired a whole generation of Batman creators, both artists and writers. Well, Norm Bravevogel, who died, you know, not too long ago, you can see his influence from Neil oh, Adams. Yeah. You know, oh, I and, think you can see it in early Bill Sienkiewicz. Yes, yes. I mean, early Bill Sienkiewicz, his Moon Knight is Neil. It's beautiful. You know, and people forget he also started off in the X-Men. You know, he did a bunch of um, X-Men. I think, yeah, Roy Thomas was writing the X-Men. Yeah, he did about five issues. It was uh, the Sphinx and the Sentinel story. Yep, it was. um, He did it right around just until it got canceled. That's funny. At the Mm -hmm. verge of cancellation. And just like with Green Arrow and um, Green Lantern, that got canceled because of poor circulation at the time. Um, But yeah, um, Adams is like, he could do anything. I was looking at his war stuff. I'm going, man, there's this, you know, he could do war. People, you know, people look down and go, oh, Batman artist, Batman artist. Oh, Green yeah, Arrow. To me, he's Green Arrow. You know, when people ask, he, to me, he's kind of, I think Green Arrow because of that, because his Green Arrow, his version was the visual image for the next, what, 30 years, 40 yes. years before. And they're all just tweaking him. Still to this day. Dang, it's they're not tweaking the golden age costume. Mike Grell just, you know, he just kind of added things to it. Yes. Um, anything else you want to say about good old Neil Adams? I want to give him a shout out because the the other thing he's big, he was big on was creator's rights. That's right. You know, that's okay. Without him, artists didn't get their art back. He, he fought was, for that. He fought for insurance. He fought for better pay. He made sure that Jack Jack Kirby got his artwork back. Yeah, he was like, "You're going to give the art back? Why? Because we drew it. You you don't pay a shit. Give us a 
give me give us me give me my art back so i can sell it i met an artist uh, named simon frazier and he's i've got three doctor who's drawn by him and i have a commissioned starman by him and he because of that kind of the art thing is he doesn't draw digitally oh really no because he wants a hard copy because he's going to sell it that makes some sense <laughs> yeah he can sell it for two i was at a con and some mediocre comic artists were getting two and three hundred not there someone was dealing it was two or three hundred dollars minimum a page you know the last thing that people should probably look at was the big 12 issue batman odyssey that came out in 2010 i've never read that i saw it on the i think i'm gonna read it i I saw it on the app when i was doing my homework and so he was the writer and the artist of batman odyssey it was a um it ran for six issues so all right i think we're gonna wrap this little section up on neil adams this is just for us and hopefully some new fans out there go yeah let me go check out neil adams stuff Ross, I want to thank you for this uh, little tribute, and we'll talk to you again. Always a pleasure. Okay. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, fantastic comic fan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time. <laughs>